Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Just so good to have you join us as we just, this month, are talking about developing a culture of prayer as we mentor leaders uh, in their prayer life. And for those of you who are just listening, who aren't a part of our church, we have really been talking about our, our pipeline for leaders. Uh, if there's one thing the Lord has put on our heart at this season is that we would give as much focus to the pipeline as we do to the performance or the, the ministry that we do, that we're always thinking of how are we going to raise up leaders. That seems to be the main thing the Lord's uh, speaking to us about. And so we've developed a, a plan we're working on in which uh, our staff, along with some elders in our church, are inviting a group of apprentices around them. Most of them are either life group leaders or apprentice life group leaders or leaders in kids' church or something like that. And uh, the goal of it is at least once a month to have a discipleship or a mentoring with them. And this month, I decided to try something new. I just think it, it has a lot of potential, and that is to invite over the next two months uh, our, our mentors to read this book together, and it's called Pray First by Chris Hodges. We have some that we've ordered, and I'm hoping if you're a coach that you could identify those who are you're kind of coaching and make sure they get the book if they need us if they need us to give them the book or whatever, we don't want anyone uh, to not have the book. And the, the idea there is I feel like the opportunity to go a lot deeper is there if someone's actually read something beforehand. So the idea would be to read the first four or five chapters and then get together and have each one kind of share what they saw. And, and I think it's going to give us a chance to really go deeper in the leadership. Um, one of the, the big things when I talk about the pipeline, I, I want to keep emphasizing this. When we think of what is Heart for the World's ultimate goal, it's, you know, we say it's to, to raise up uh, passionate followers of Jesus who changed the world. And it's the idea that people would go through a process and I, I describe it as sevenfold leadership ladder. Number one, they get saved. Uh, then they start serving as soon as they can. And then they get connected, and that's where they go through Equip 101 to 401. And then the idea is they begin to be apprenticed at the same time. And that's what this group is. Hopefully that also is listening to this teaching. And it's time with your coach or whatever we want to call them, but both helping, say, in a life group or, or in a dream team, but then personally growing in different key skills of ministry. That then becomes the next step is that you lead a life group. Um, you then begin to become a coach yourself, and that could mean being on our church board, coming on staff, or going and planting a new church. But the idea is that people are growing through these phases. 
And we want to encourage that growth in every way we can. So I thought with this book, a great place to start in terms of our coaching is coaching in terms of prayer. And I'm going to share with you a lot of things you already know, but I think they're worth repeating. And that is that if we connect with our mentees or disciples, however you want to call it, in prayer, I believe that will accelerate their discipleship more than anything. You know, there's something about not only learning about prayer, but praying together where people are vulnerable. Suddenly, it's like you begin to impart. You don't just teach them knowledge, but you begin to impart to them um, your spirit. And so I, I just feel like teaching prayer is going to really accelerate their discipleship. Um, also, for us, I believe that the key to creating a culture of prayer is leaders praying with leaders, helping them grow in their habits of prayer. And that will transform the whole church. We are in now a week of prayer, and I, I can't tell how much I feel this burden for the prayer force of Heart for the World. Because everything that's going to happen on the outside in our church this year just depends on whether we have a strong prayer force and uh, raising up. And I'm, I'm looking at some people coming to these prayer meetings, and I'm saying, ah, I think we got another intercessor. I'm just thrilled that Aaron from the youth group has come to almost every single prayer group and is a powerful intercessor. So I wouldn't have known that otherwise. And, and so I feel like if we gain 20 or 30 intercessors through this week, oh my goodness, it's going to raise the level of, of prayer, and that's going to raise the level of power in our church in a huge way. So here's some reasons that are shared in the book and that you'll probably be going over. And that is um, prayer is the lifeblood of a growing, world-impacting church. Because we can only be successful in building a world-changing ministry if we have God's efforts and not just our own. Uh, we always say that Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. And I like to describe prayer as where we catch, we're like a, a, we're like a sailboat, and prayer is where we catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. So what we could do naturally in kids' ministry, if we're praying faithfully, suddenly we, we get in to the wind of the Holy Spirit, and He works through us. A.T.R. Pearson said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that not, did not begin in united prayer. Every revival in history can be traced back to a group of people uniting in prayer. I was touched as a young person uh, by C.T. Studd and these others who told me, the one who teaches other people to pray will do more for the cause of world evangelism than anyone else in the world. <laughs> If you can just teach people. So that's what I challenge you to do is to mentor someone in prayer. We can never advance in the building of God's kingdom until we put the enemy under our, first, our feet first. In 1 Kings 5.3, Solomon said this. And I just thought it had a very powerful meaning. Uh, he, he says this when it came time for them to build the temple. He said, you know that because of the wars waged against my father David from all sides, he could not build the temple for the name of the Lord his God until the Lord put his enemies under his feet. And what I see there is 
First, there has to be spiritual victory if you're going to build something great. First, you got to get the enemies under your feet, and then you can make progress in advancing the kingdom of God. And if you try to, uh, you know, if you try to advance the kingdom before the enemies are under your feet, you'll have much harder time. And I, I was just thinking when Sharon was praying today for our children's ministry that there is another level in second service of chaos with some of our families. And it just moved me that we've got to pray at another level and get the enemies under our feet because a lot of them are coming with baggage and spiritual bondage. And so that's, again, why we're thinking in terms of this uh, culture of prayer. Uh, it is clear that the top of a spiritual leader's job description is to be a prayer. Uh, in Exodus 18, 19, when God gave Moses his job description, his number one job was you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes. Before you teach them, before you do anything. And that's why I love what this book is all about. You pray first, pray first. And then when the apostles started the church, the same thing in Acts chapter 6, 4. They said, this is our assignment. We must give our attention first to prayer and the ministry of the word. And that's why they, they delegated the serving of the tables because they said, you know, if you're going to build a world-changing ministry, it's going to be very easy to, to get distracted by other things. People are going to want you to visit them. They're going to want to do counseling. They're going to do a hundred things. But if you neglect the prayer part of your ministry, uh, you will not be able to create the culture that changes the world. It is clear that prayer is, is the key to sustainability, creativity, and positivity. Pos, pos, How do I say that? Positivity. Hallelujah. I'm going into tongues right now. Anyhow. <laughs> You know, I, I love what Gerald Brooks said. You know, he says he studied ministry. You've seen a lot of shooting stars, 10-year ministry leaders who burned out. And the, all the studies show that it goes back to their prayer life. And, and I love this little phrase. If your stage time exceeds your prayer time, you will be in trouble all the time. I, I think that just says so much. Because if you're not processing the spiritual battles, they will kill you. <laughs> Because you'll start fighting against flesh and blood or fighting in your own strength and you'll burn out. Prayer is this two-way conversation where you don't only just pray to God, but you hear from God. And, and I've been loving this in our Emotionally Healthy teaching about creating these times of stillness. Why? I think everything that I can see in our church I can go back to some time, whether it was in my leadership or someone's leadership in their department, where God spoke to them in a time of stillness. It did not come from a planning meeting. It, God just spoke because they were listening. They were waiting, and the Spirit of God came upon them. In sermon preparation, I, it was so interesting. This couple who ended up being very profound in our church, they came to our church and after a short time, they said, we, we are now members of Heart for the World. And I said, well, that's great. Why? He says, the moment we walked into the church, yeah, the, the music was great and all of that, but we knew the pastor prays here. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean you know the pastor prays here? He says, when you go visit a lot of churches, you can tell when someone's preaching 
uh, a great Bible message, and you can tell when someone's prophetically heard from God and is ministering through the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, thank you very much. But I also do know that in preparing a teaching, it is not your, your Bible. I know it's the, it's the Spirit upon you. And most of the important things that happen in teaching was a word that came in prayer. You bound something in the Spirit. You got this hunch that somebody was going through this. And, and I love that because I believe that when people come to our church, it's not just they're going to hear a message. No, the, the call of God where you are to hear the word of the Lord comes on the leader in a way that you speak prophetically to those people. And so when they come to you and they say, well, have you been reading my mail yet? I said, well, kind of. Because the Spirit reads all of the mail of the people. <laughs> and then when you lead worship or you pray or you preach, He's coming through you in response to that. And I, I think that's the key uh, to how revival happens. I wanted to make this point that although all churches pray, not all churches have a culture of prayer. It is one thing to add prayer to what you're doing. It is another thing to build everything that you're doing around prayer. One of the reasons that we, we love this idea of pray first is you can tell the difference. Is prayer an add-on to the ministry? God, we just figured out what we're going to do the next month. Now, would you please bless what we decided? <laughs> or was prayer your first response? What do you want to do, God? And immediately, that changes uh, everything. One of the reasons that we're doing a week of prayer, we do it twice a year. We're doing Churches United for Revival it is our attempt to create a culture of prayer in this church where it becomes natural and habitual for prayer to be the go-to uh, response. And this is what we want to disciple our coaching teams about. Um, a culture of prayer means that the absolute most important thing I do as a spiritual leader is to develop the highest level of prayer habits in my life and then in my team. The level of the prayer habits of your team will be the level of your anointing in your ministry. And so that's why we want to go right after this in our discipleship, first and foremost of all. So how do we develop a culture of prayer? Here's just a few things, and this is what this book is all about. Number one, you can't create a culture. You have to be the culture. <laughs> and isn't that true? You, you don't create anything in a church. You just reproduce what you are. And so what does that mean? It doesn't start with what you say. It starts with what you do. And so if you don't have a culture of prayer in your personal life, you will not be able to sustain it. You can preach 100 messages on prayer, but ultimately people will pray like you pray to whatever degree you do or don't do that. That's why when the church started, one of the main words the Lord gave me is, Dale, you're not a pastor called to pray. You're a prayer called to pastor. And if you ever get those out of order, the anointing will be far less on your life. So you are called to be a prayer. And I just really believe that. And I want to call all of us to, to that, to say, I am a prayer who happens to answer the phones in the front office or happens to prepare a worship set. But that is what I do. Why? Because it's called standing in the gap. That's what God calls us as ministers. We are people standing in the gap 
so that God can connect with people. We do it in private, and then it appears in public. The disciples saw Jesus pray so much <laughs> that they responded by saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. It was the prayer life of Jesus that most impacted the disciples more than anything else that he did. They immediately caught, this is the secret sauce. This is what Jesus is doing that makes him different. When the people say, we've never heard a man speak like this, it wasn't because he could quote verses better than the Pharisees. It was because he was with the Father. And, and it was the Spirit. One of the things that I want to encourage you in your discipleship is not only do the, do the disciples, your disciples, however I call them, not only do you need to pray for them, they need to hear you pray, and then they need to experience you asking for prayer. I, I am convinced the vulnerability of a leader when he says, hey, I, I need your prayer, guys, and here are things I struggle with. So, for example, when I, when I ask people to pray, I'll pray, I'll usually say three things as a leader. I'll say, number one, I struggle with busyness, and sometimes I can't, I get too fast, and I do more than the Holy Spirit. Would you pray for, for that? I struggle sometimes with, even me, social media, I just all of a sudden let us scroll. I get too much uh, interference. Would you pray that I'll have greater uh, self-control? <laughs> I, I struggle in the area of insecurity sometimes, and I think more about how people are hearing me than whether I'm pleasing the Lord. Would you pray for me? So what I'm doing is then I ask, ask them to pray for me and it bonds us closer, but it also imparts to them a habit of vulnerability. One of the things that I've learned about great prayer cultures is that they have specific prayer assignments in the church. One of the things I've been learning about and, and I'm trying to implement this more deeply is in in great prayer cultures, there'll be personal intercessors, there'll be uh, department intercessors, and there'll be even the closest confidential intercessors. And, and I, I know it's a process for some of us. For example, my Friday morning Zoom, many of them are like my, they've been lifelong intercessors, Gary and Vivian Brown or something. So I've said, I, I want to take 10 or 15 minutes at my 638 prayer meeting because I need personal intercessors. Moses' arms get tired, right? And, and I know about every one of you, your arms get tired too. And so I want to just challenge us as a church uh, to pray about two or three people that you specifically ask, will you be my personal intercessor with me? It fits perfectly with fight clubs. So it fits perfectly with your discipleship club. And so if you can make part of this, could we be personal intercessors and, and you're going to hold my arms and I'm going to hold your arms up? I think that that could be an incredible thing. Real quickly, here's keys, and we'll just wrap it up. But these are all in the book. And these are the things that I would really encourage our discipleship in. Number one, prayer is not just about content, but it's about encountering God personally. John Wimber used to say, what is prayer? Prayer is intimacy and friendship with God. And, and if there's anything we want to communicate is go from... Uh, the idea of prayer being I'm a recipient of God to I'm a friend of God. 
it's not to just be something that is uh, talking about our needs, but it is to be drawing near to God. In fact, I don't know about you, but the longer I've been in prayer, I think I spend more time just stillness being with God in my personal prayer time than I did as a younger Christian talking to God. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of my prayer life and listening to a worship song or singing my own worship song. God loves my singing, so that's awesome. But anyhow, it's this moment, and I, I just kind of uh, contained it in that phrase, I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence. And that moment becomes the key to the whole prayer. If you get that moment, you, you have succeeded in what you need. One of the most important chapters, I'll just call it the Trinity Prayer. And I, I would really like to encourage you to go deep in the Trinity Prayer. What is that? It's experiencing Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit in a personal way. It's taking time to just pray the love of the Father, pray the grace of Jesus, and pray the comfort of the Holy Spirit, all based on, on 2 Corinthians 13, 8, which says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the, you know, the love of God our Father and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And, and I, I want to encourage people in that, and as you mentor them, the importance of worship in your prayer time, and just ask them, what does it take for you to come into that moment where you feel the embrace of God, I think I'm feeling it right now, where you feel that overwhelming sense of closeness with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with the Father. Uh, each of them are different. You know, Jesus is our advocate. He's our defense attorney. It's that sense is he's fighting for you. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. So obviously the Father is your source of love and identity. So experiencing that is powerful. And then the other thing this book emphasizes is the practical tools. And what we're trying to say a little bit in this present sermon series is prayer is where God gives you heaven's tools for the everyday fights of earth's battles. And it's learning to interpret these heavenly tools. And how does that relate to parenting my second child? Or how does that relate to my frustration with my finances right now. It's specifically getting a tool from God for each specific area uh, of our life. And, and this takes quite a bit of time of laying out a prayer plan. And, and I like this a lot because I feel like, especially as people are developing an intercessory prayer life, the idea of being intentionally prepared for what you're going to pray. I mean, yes, it's wonderful to pray uh, spontaneously, and please do that. But I believe that the people who go the deepest in a prayer life also are the most intentional. You know, it's one thing to say to your spouse, let's, let's go on a date sometime. <laughs> it's another thing to plan a date. Say, well, I don't want to plan. I want to be spontaneous. Well, you, you, you might be spontaneous not very faithfully. You know what I'm saying? I, I find that if I'm going to have an important meeting, I don't just say, well, we're going to go to this meeting. You know, I spent five hours preparing for my board meeting last week because I knew that 
the more time I thought about, the more likely I would get the most important thing on the table at that meeting. And I think that's the case with prayer. So we get these prayer models, the Lord's Prayer, the uh, Tabernacle Prayer, the, the Prayer of Jabez. And if we can teach our people, hey, what if you would just take some time at least once a week to plan your prayer time a little bit and say, I'm going to use this. And when I meet with Jesus, this is what I'm going to go through this week. If they do that, they'll begin to develop a far deeper, they'll develop a greater uh, vocabulary for prayer. And I also found that they will develop a prophetic gift. The more I've prepared for my prayer time, the more words of prophecy I get uh, in those prayer times as we do them. I love to, to get it real practical with people. So, for example, I would love us to mentor. When you pray for your kids, what do you pray? And I like to tell people that the five F's I pray the most. If I don't know what else I'm going to pray, I'll pray a lot of things for my kids. But I'll pray the fear of God. I'll pray that they walk in the fear of God. I'll pray the favor of God. I'll pray that their friends are sent from them from God. I'll pray for freedom from their struggles. And I'll pray that the fulfillment of God's highest uh, purpose for their life. So that's a, that's a little plan. Now i got five things I'm going to pray uh, for, for them. Uh, just a couple of other things. I think the declarations is something you really want to, to get into. And when I do the model of the Lord's Prayer, when I get to uh, thy kingdom come. Uh, no, thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. That's the declaration part of the prayer. I think that probably transformed my prayer life personally more than anything was making declarations. Because we know faith is the key to the prayer life, but if we're not intentional, we end up just making a lot of petitions, but we don't speak to mountains very often. And we fall short of the full potential of prayer, which is say to this mountain, <laughs> uh, be removed. And again, if you have any advice, when I, some of them might be very helped by these little clickers. And when I made this decision that for a season of time, I would get 50 gratitudes and 50 declarations a day, it became my vocabulary to be able to. So today, uh, and this is absolutely not bragging, but if you said, Dale, make 50 declarations, I could do that in about four minutes or three minutes because I did it so many times, you know. And what does that do? Well, it makes you have a response. Uh-oh, that's a big bill. But before I even say anything else, I say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, it's a, it becomes an automatic response. And that raises their prayer life to another level because now they're speaking faith and not just talking and about all their needs, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and so then I look for those prophetic words for seasons. So for in this, this five-week season, we're talking about the word that uh, Mel at our, at our board meeting gave, and it was, this is a season of acceleration. That God, as evil is accelerating, then we must, God wants to accelerate revival and healing. So I'm praying that over every area of the church. Lord, uh, you know, let the number of leaders accelerate. Lord, uh, let the time that people settle down 
accelerate so they don't take the third song. They, they get there by song one. <laughs> They're already in the presence of God. You know what I'm saying? Everything accelerate. Uh, you know, let, let the kids pay attention faster than they did last year. You know, on and on and on. But it, again, through this, you get definitive words. Uh, uh, extraordinary favor was a word for this season. So every prayer time I'm saying, Lord, let unusual favor become ordinary favor in every area of our life. Uh, again, and lastly, uh, we could go on, but I wanted to give you some things you could disciple. The last one I always find is that people need to be discipled in perseverance. That the number one the number one battle in prayer is sustaining it and consistency. So that's why I was really trying to preach Sunday. Uh, you might be waiting for some great move of God, but if you would pray consistently 10 minutes every single day, more would happen through that than one big-time encounter with God. The consistency, it so compounds, it so multiplies over time it's not did i pray for my kids it's did i pray for my kids every day you know that becomes i believe the uh the power lock of uh, the power work of it so we've used examples of like the of seeing the gates of hell having a hundred locks on it and every time you pray you break one lock but there's still more don't give up because the door hasn't fallen down yet you just have more locks so just keep pounding them away and uh I love to say sometimes God's blessing us in prayer. Sometimes he's positioning us. Sometimes when we feel nothing, sometimes we feel worse when we pray. Get excited because God's positioning you. <laughs> and he doesn't always bless you when you pray, but he always blesses you because you pray. And I love that discussion that says sometimes what we have to learn is that what gets stored up eventually shows up. And we want it to show up now, but God wants us to store it up now so it'll show up then. And so those are just some things that I, I believe you have to really uh, help people uh, with their prayer life about. And so then at the end, as you would talk, I gave a, a number of questions, and these would be very much in line. These are all from the book. Um, how can you approach prayer as a more intimate encounter with God? What aspects of your life can you incorporate prayer more specifically into to where you plan how I will pray about my finances or something like that? Uh, do you currently have a place, a guide, a structure for your prayer time? Um, he recommends you make it as, and, and again, I, I, I love it because he says, I'm going to get up, I'm going to drink two cups of water, I'm going to make my coffee because that's what he does. He's not telling you to do this. He's saying, I just want you to know how much I've planned it. I'm going to go to my basement and I'm going to sit in the same chair. I'm going to play this a worship song. And somewhere I'll be looking out my window because I like to hear the birds chirp. And then I'm going to start with this plan. Anyhow, my point is the more intentional, the more powerful over time your prayer life gets. I would encourage people to talk about personal intercessors, having an intercessory prayer team, uh, deciding on what environment works for you best in prayer because different people have different environments that affect them differently. And then 
challenging them to go try a Trinity prayer and asking them, how are you cultivating a deeper intimacy with Father Jesus and Holy Spirit uh, in your prayer time? So those were just some ideas. And so looking forward to you uh, meeting with your group. So let me just pray over your prayer life before we close today. Lord, I pray for everyone who hears this teaching that you will stir something powerful in them, that the greatest use of their life will be their prayer time. I pray that they will expect a greater anointing than they've ever had, that you will begin to give them a hunger and a desire like they've never had before to just be in your presence, to discern it, and to become completely engaged on a daily basis. I pray for intercessory prayer teams, fight clubs, and other forms of personal intercessors that we regularly share our burdens with and learn to pray with, that this will become the norm in our church. As we said Sunday, there will be no person without a prayer partner in our church. And I pray that this will develop into a culture And whoever's listening, whatever church is represented, for for every family, that every group will not be satisfied with prayer as an afterthought, but prayer will be the culture of of their home, of their church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on our social media. You can find more information about courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website, hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.